This week on Useful to God, Dr. James Spencer and me, Richard Beatty, will begin to unwrap the question, what does it mean to be human? And if to err is to be human, is it then human to give each other some slack? But seriously, folks, to be human, really human, is to have a condition of imperfections and blind spots that are also called sin. James, this is still another issue from the Fellowship of bots, and maybe that's the point. Has artificial intelligence given us more room to develop an inferiority complex? Yeah, I think it has. I think, you know, as we even just we think about the term artificial intelligence, it's almost a misnomer. Intelligence suggests that it's something broader than it actually is. So when we think about artificial intelligence models, what we're really thinking about are reasoning engines. They're computational machines. And so they're doing things that we can do with our own brains. It's certainly a function of, you know, human thought that we would compute or reason through something, sort of run a program in our own minds. But AI, you know, doesn't have the full capacity of human thought, uh, at least not yet. And I would just suggest that even if it did develop the full uh, range of human thought that we can do, that still shouldn't make us feel inferior to AI. So one of the things I've been sort of suggesting to people is that, you know, we've lived in a world where there are a number of different species that are already stronger than us, faster than us, you know, um, more adaptable to certain environments than us. And that doesn't make us feel less human. And so even if AI outpaces us in one or multiple uh, sort of mental activities, we shouldn't feel less human. I think part of what we're dealing with as we think about this sort of inferiority complex that can come up is that we really don't understand what it means to be human and how thought and rationality and consciousness and all of those kind of ideas that we think about when we may uh, that are often associated with AI uh, really relate to what it means to be human. Well, there's a scene in the popular television series, Chicago Med, where the chairman of the hospital board has touted and financed an AI equipped operating room called OR 2.0. All was well and OR 2.0 was a viable collaborator with the star surgeon, Dr. Crockett. And then a routine surgery, which seemed to go well until the patient dies in recovery, gave everyone reason to pause. Turns out 2.0 showed a legion on the patient's screen that really wasn't there. Other docs got suspicious and looked up the data and found the data was missing. In order to protect the continued funding of 2.0, the chairman of the board kept a thumb drive of the botched surgery. Then he told Dr. Crockett it was the doctor's error. And yet colleagues pressed the issue, got the thumb drive, and analyzed the data, revealing that 2.0 had a design flaw. And the CEO deliberately tried to blame it on being human. So what happens when AI makes a mistake? Is there grace? And can it happen where AI causes a fatality or an accident and that gets blamed on the human? And what are the legal ramifications there? You know, 
I think we need to be careful as we, you know, sort of think through these scenarios. Part of what I see as the challenge of artificial intelligence is an over anthropomorphizing of artificial intelligence. In other words, we're making this a more human thing than I think we probably should. And so we have dealt with mechanical failures for a long, long time. Um, you know, this has been a staple of the car industry, of the airline industry, you know, distinguishing between mechanical and human error is not something that is foreign to us as a human species. We recognize that the technologies that we use, the machines that we build often fail and they fail for a host of different reasons. AI is really no different than that. And if we continue to think of it as sort of a, a more human than it actually is, I think we're going to get ourselves into some real problematic areas. And so there are a number of analogies that are used with artificial intelligence that suggest that it is more human than than it might be. So we often apply the word and, and I'm guilty of this, too. I think it's just, you know, sort of lazy speech, but we'll apply words like think or respond, or, you know, um, we'll talk about a neural net, right? Which technically are biological or human terms. Ultimately, we're applying them to the AI. And I think that that's skewing the way that we view it. It really, AI is nothing more than a machine. It is not imbued with a, a spirit. It's not imbued as, you know, it's not the image of God. It is not something that has consciousness. And I think there are good theological reasons and biblical reasons to think that it never actually will be. And so however closely it approximates some of these things, uh, a lot of these questions that are being asked about how do we deal with X, Y, or Z? How do we deal with, you know, AI when it fails? Well, those are things that we actually have precedence for. We have precedence for uh, machines that fail and how we distinguish between that failure and human error. And so I think we, we need to be careful as we move forward into the future of AI, not to uh, make this very unique uh, innovation, this very powerful innovation into something that it's not. It is still an, a technological a mechanical tool. It may be a bit more than that, right? I would admit that tool probably doesn't capture exactly what AI is, but it's still not human. It's not something that could be held, quote unquote, responsible for its actions. It doesn't have agency in the way that we do. And so we have to be careful about how we think about these things. So in the scenario that you're discussing, you know, this this, uh, you know, sort of fictional AI that um, gets something wrong in surgery, it's just a mechanical failure. And probably the way that everybody should respond to it is just to say, look, we're going to relook at the processes of how we are depending on this AI to make sure that the next time there's a mechanical failure, we don't fall prey to it that we're going to minimize the risk of mechanical error causing uh, human death or, uh, you know, just, um, you know, difficulties in surgery, for instance. Um, and we're going to uh, make sure that our processes are such that we are highly reliable in the treatment that's given and that we have checks and balances within the process so that the AI isn't just driving things, but that it is uh, influencing things and that the surgeons are using it in a wise way.
So I, I think there's a, you know, want to be careful about, you know, alerting people or, or suggesting that we're dealing with a new sentient being. We're really not. We're dealing with another um, mechanical technological tool and platform, and we need to use it in a way similar to the way or analogous to the way that we've used other mechanical instruments and making sure that we check it to um, the best of our ability to know that it is going to give us the accurate sort of information and perform in a way that is going to serve our the utility that we're employing it with. You know, as we've we've mentioned before, uh, the you know, the difference here is God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 127. We've talked about this before. Humans are created to be creative. How does that work in, in the context of AI? Well, I think two things. Um, yes, humans are, are created to be creative. That is, I think, a true statement. But we have to understand creative in a very particular way in order for that to be true. Um, humans are not intended to be creative in the same way that God is creative. We are to be creative imitators. Our job as humans is to reflect God. That's part of what it means to be made in God's image. And uh, and so even though that image is marred after the fall, what we are called to do is really imitate Christ. And in doing so, there is a creativity involved in that. So it's a creative imitation. In the context of AI, I think that um, to the extent that AI opens up human creativity, um, that there may very well be benefits to AI to the extent that it opens us up to, you know, taking care of tasks that maybe um, take us a bit too long. Right. In the same way, like a calculator helps us with long division. <laughs> right. Um, AI has the potential to take care of some of those things that we could do on our own, but that are going to take us much, much longer than it might take an AI. And so we we have to pick and choose sort of where we're using the AI so that and, and I think this is the key um, question that Christians need to be asking ourselves. Am I using AI to enhance my humanity? Or in my use of AI, am I diminishing my humanity? And that humanity has to do with creativity, but I would also say it has to do with intimacy with other people. Um, it has to do with, um, you know, the way that we, for instance, um, visit the orphan and the widow. You know, one of the things I've been thinking about a good bit has been uh, the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. If you just take that parable of the Good Samaritan, where this gentleman has been robbed um, he's laying on the side of the road, beaten and bloody, and the actual physical Samaritan comes along, sees this other human being, picks him up, carries him to somewhere where he can be cared for and pays for that service. There's a lot of skin in the game um, that the Samaritan puts in. It's a very flesh on flesh activity that he does. And it, it conveys the message that Jesus is trying to get across, who is my neighbor? But if you rewrite that story and you think, well, maybe it's just the Samaritan's uh, artificial intelligence robot that's roaming down the road and it signals the Samaritan that there's someone who's been robbed on the side of it. And the Samaritan says, well, if it's not too much trouble, go ahead and take care of that person. It gives that story a whole different feel and it, it, dis, it disassociates humans from humans. 
And so we've got to be very careful as we move into this AI world that we are not disconnecting from other humans, that AI is allowing greater connection with other humans, especially from a Christian perspective, that we can be more like the Good Samaritan using AI, not less like the Good Samaritan using AI. And then we have a God who wants a relationship with us. I mean, from the very beginning, then the Lord God formed the man out of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. As it says in Genesis 2-7, God breathes creativity out of breath. He creates the universe. From his breath, he speaks us into existence. If the word is God-breathed, we are God-breathed. How does this make humans a high-functioning machine? I don't actually think it does. I think applying machine language to humanity is, you know, again, sort of blurring lines that we don't want to blur. Humans are human. And there are certainly analogies that have been made between humans and machines. But I think that's more because what we're creating with machines and devices of various sorts, it's often a reflection of who we are as humans. So if we take AI as an example, you know, we're AI is a reflection of our ability to do computational thinking, to reason through um, various data and understand what's happening there and to come up with sort of logical conclusions that uh, that that our brains are able to comprehend. Now, AI can do that faster than we can. It can compute in a much you know quicker fashion with more data, massive amounts of data, actually. And so to that extent, it's that's great. But it's still a reflection of who we are as human beings. And we aren't high functioning machines. We are humans made in the image of God. And so we're a we're a different thing than AI. We're a different thing than anything else we might look at. You know, it's it's almost like saying, you know, just because a horse can walk, a horse is like a human. That's true in a certain to a certain extent. But we also recognize that there are vast differences between us and horses. And I think that as we move into artificial intelligence, we have to recognize that even though AI can do something we can do doesn't mean that we are less human and it is more human. Now, here's a, here's an interesting sideline here. Uh, in post-World War II, there was this piece of new psych and a study at Berkeley uh, done on creative types. Uh, they asked journalists, artists, musicians, authors, and filmmakers to stay in bungalows, and they studied their creative process. The result was to create a creative class, if you will. It, w it introduced Timothy Leary and illusionary drugs like mushrooms to see if these creatives perform better under the influence. And the result, it was as subjective as looking at a piece of art and everyone sees something else. To, to be human is to be creative. And that means all of us, uh, not a creative class uh, versus a non-creative class. James, I tend to look at creativity as creating something that is of worth, that is useful to God and people. We like to say around here, if the essence of writing is rewriting, then the, the essence of being creative is recreation. Can you program a machine to create something that is useful to God? And is it 
the same thing as a creative being who using their gift and talents to be useful to God? I, I think you can uh, program. I mean, the interesting part of that question is that all of the creative element truly comes from the human. In other words, the machine is not there in and of itself. It, it's not existent. And so is it possible for humans to code technology, to um, build technologies or what have you in order that they do some creative things in the world? Absolutely, there are. I think that, you know, when we talk about AI art or um, even AI writing or songwriting or poetry or all those different kinds of things, they are the fruits of human creativity, not AI creativity. Those those are the fruits of human ingenuity and human effort. Uh, humans create AI. And the reality is that I don't really foresee AI doing anything that a human couldn't do. It may do it faster. It, you know, it may do it. It, it may do it with uh, with, uh, you know, a, a less effort. Let's say it may require less human effort to do something creative. Um, but I don't, so I don't think there are limits to the creative process that an artificial intelligence model can be built to do. Um, you know, we're beginning to see that with, um, deep fakes and the fictionalization of videos and photographs and those sort of, those sort of things. Um, and so people can be creative for a number of different reasons, but it's always people behind it. The AI is something that is people created that is then used to um, allow human beings who might not otherwise have the capacity to, let's say, do art or take a photo or shoot a video to do so. And so the answer to that is, yes, a, a program or machine can be developed that will allow humans to create something that is useful to God. And I think that distinction is pretty important. It's not just can a can a machine do something? Absolutely. I think that's what we're seeing with AI. We're seeing sort of this unbridled potential of computer systems to do almost anything or to do things that were previously thought to be impossible. But that's still at root a human activity. We have created the AIs. And even though we don't fully understand how they work, they're still our creation. So um, the answer to that question is, yes, I think I think AIs can be used to develop things that are useful to God in the world. I just find that to be a, a specifically human activity. Now, the challenge, I think, is that as we as we think about, you know, humans as creative beings, as we think about, you know, um, creating AI as just a creative activity. Right. We have to also ask ourselves whether or not um, all artificial intelligences that are created, all the artificial intelligence models that are created are actually going to be useful to God. And those get into questions of how we use them, what, you know, um, who else uses them, um, because it's not just up to maybe ethical Christian users who are um, careful with AI. Um, we're also going to see more nefarious people using these technologies for um, to advance their own interests. And so there's a lot that can be done for God. There's a lot that can be done 
to advance stories that deny God in the world through AI. Those are all good words. And, um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's been a very interesting thought process. How, how long are we going to be on uh, the AI study? Uh, I guess it's something that we constantly are going to be revisiting this story. I think it's important. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, Matthew 6, Jesus looks out at the world and he sees people giving in wrong ways. He sees people praying in long way, wrong ways, and he sees people fasting in wrong ways. And he calls his disciples to these wrong ways of giving, praying, and fasting. And he says, look at these things. Look at the way these things are happening. Don't do it this way. Do it another way. And so um, this is, you know, our conversations about artificial intelligence really, I think, are in that spirit. We're living in a culture that is enamored with artificial intelligence. Now, we don't need to ignore it. Right. It's it's an important enough issue that we shouldn't ignore it. At the same time, what I would say is that the way many people are relating to artificial intelligence is not the way that Christians should be relating to artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is not some sort of quasi savior or messiah that is going to fix all the problems of the world. It's not a route to fame or fortune. It's not a route to greater success. It's not even a route to becoming more human. And so Christians can't afford to approach AI the way that the world is approaching AI. We need to not be afraid of it. I don't think it is the Antichrist. I've heard some people talk about AI in terms of the Antichrist. I've heard I've heard it talks to, you know, talked about in terms of it's, you know, doomsday, you know, come early. I, I don't believe that. At the same time, the way AI is going to be used and the things that it's going to be used for, I do believe will in some cases diminish humanity. And that's what Christians need to be looking out for. Christians need to be looking at artificial intelligence as a potential danger uh, for diminishing their humanity and taking their focus off of the Lord. And so my encouragement to Christians is to say, this is not, uh, on, you know, useful to God We're, we really don't do a lot of, you know, sensational topics, right. Just to capture your attention. That's not the point, but I, I think that a, a artificial intelligence is sufficiently out there and it is creating enough of a, a question about how do we deal with this? That it's important for Christians to think through how we approach and utilize AI in such a way that we retain a strangeness that is appropriate uh, for a people who are called to Jesus Christ to witness to him and demonstrate God's active presence in the world. And so as we have these discussions, um, as we talk about being human, as we talk about the way to use AI, as we talk about its its potential positives and negative consequences and all of those different things, um, my desire is for this to be a discipleship conversation in, in the spirit of what Jesus does in Matthew 6. Well, that's that's great, and I think that's that's really good. I wanted to find out uh, what has uh, the response been to the guide uh, that you put out. <laughs> it's been pretty fantastic. Uh, people uh, really seem to be resonating with it. I think this, this issue has a, a lot of curiosity, and so um, I've been able to speak on a number of different radio programs and podcasts um, about the guide. Um, I was interviewed for a, a TV show that'll soon be aired um, as one of the uh, one of the folks who are one of the Christians who are speaking out um, in relation to AI. And the guide itself has just been um, really well received. And 
so I'd encourage folks to go to moodycenter.org backslash Christians and AI, or it's available at our homepage at moodycenter.org and they can get the guide and, uh, and download it. All you have to do is put in your email, check it out. Um, I think it's a good initial primer for what's going on with AI and, uh, and keep watching. We've got some additional episodes that we're going to be putting out and hopefully give you good frameworks for really approaching artificial intelligence as Christian um, and not just approaching artificial intelligence, you know, as a cultural phenomenon. And uh, as usual, I, I, I would like uh, some of those jobs that I don't really like to do. Uh, how, how, is, how are they doing with AI and accounting? <laughs> I, you know, I, I think there's probably an AI in almost everything we do. And, uh, you know, the reality is most of us have been interacting with some form of artificial intelligence for a very long time. We just don't recognize it as such. But, you know, every time you're on your favorite streaming service, let's say, and um, you're, you know, you're seeing recommended shows, you know, you watch one TV show and you you get another recommended. Um, that is an, a, a sort of a proto AI mechanism. It's learning your preferences and giving you a, a selection that it thinks you'll like. And so, we're seeing a ramping up of what AI can do, and I think it will be able to perform almost any task we ask it to pretty soon, um, which is a little scary. And it does put us, though, in the driver's seat. You know, our agency is always going to be with how do we use AI? Some of that will be um, sort of taking care of it for us, I suppose, um, by technology companies or the government and those sort of bigger, um, you know, decision makers who are going to make this a little bit more democratized. But my thought with artificial intelligence is that um, let's use it for very intentional purpose. Much the same thing that I've said about social media in the past is that, you know, social media isn't all bad. There are ways to use it that um, if we control what's going on and we understand exactly why we're using it, what we want to use it for, um, it's it's not a horrible platform. It's just when we allow the platforms to determine what we do with them, that's when I think we start to lose our own agency and sort of surrender important aspects of our decision making to the technology and to the technology companies. And so my recommendation for all everybody who's listening is just don't uh, use AI without a clear, intentional purpose that you've thought through and that you want to, you know, you see this as being able to help you move forward. Good word. Uh, I uh, just, just handed this note from the uh, the computer. It said people who authored Useful to God also wrote Christian Resistance. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of both. Um, and, and I do think Christian Resistance is, is what we've been talking about basically throughout this whole episode. Christian Resistance is about maintaining your boundaries. So the deep, deep and heavy pressures of the world are pushing against us like a dam. And, uh, and, and the dam has to hold its shape if it's going to be of use in the world. And so Christians are in the world in order to hold our shape conform to the image of Christ. And to the extent that we can do that, we are faithful witnesses to who Jesus is and what God can do in our lives. But when we cave to the pressure, we're no longer useful in that way anymore. 
And so as we think about artificial intelligence, as we think about what it means to be truly human, I do think we're really talking about what it means to resist um, allowing the world to define humanity in a way that is not in line with the biblical record.